Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. If you're new with us, uh, we are in the middle of a series that we are calling Chasing Wholeness. And the conversation really revolves around this idea of what does it mean to be whole? What does it mean to be a full human? What does it take to be all that God's called us to be? What does it mean to live this life healthy in the way that God's called us to? And my question for you today is, have you ever really hoped for something? Like really, really wanted to see something happen? I remember when I was like, like 20, right? And we found out we were having our first baby. And 20 years old and finding out you're having a kid is a trip because, you know, you're really a kid having a kid. Like, it was a whole event. Like, 25 was this number that I had in my head. We're going to reach this. I was going to have it all set up. Psych. Uh, we got there and we found out. <laughs> and I'm like, like really tripping because, like, once I get over the fact, like, there's about to be a tiny human being in my house every day. Um, once I got past the shock of all that was about to happen to my life, I got really, really excited. Because I just, I knew, I could see this amazing little boy. Like, I knew what we were about to do. I had all of these dreams and futures and expectations for, like, what we were about to do as a family unit. Like, I was pumped. Like, I saw his face, I knew his hair, I had his name picked out, Gabriel Ryan Otterbein. Like, I knew this boy was about to show up, and we was about to have us a whole time. Like, future star quarterback of the University of Texas, if you will. Like, I had it lined up. I had it lined up. <clears throat> and I remember going towards uh, the doctor's offices, and we started going to the appointments, and I loved getting to go to the appointments, because I get to hear the heartbeat, and it got me more and more excited about this, this kid that was coming. Can I remember when we found out that we were going to find out the gender? I was like, let's go. I was about to tell everybody, like, I got you. I'm right. You know what I'm saying? I knew this was happening. You couldn't have told me. Like, I, I'm, I'm not, if we had a nursery, we was too broke to have a nursery. But if we had one, it would have been buoyed out. Like, I knew it was coming. Because we're sitting in this appointment, and I'm looking at Nicole like, he's about to tell you. He's about to tell you I'm right. <clears throat> he's got his cursor on the screen. Can we hear it all happen? He starts asking questions like, do you think your kid ever plays sports? It's like, have you seen his dad? Yes, sir. Of course he is. <clears throat> he starts asking questions like, what, what sports? Like, do you think, uh, do you think they'd ever want to play volleyball? I was like, <clears throat> I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if he wants, I'll watch him spike a volleyball in someone's face. Like, I'm here for that. Like, <clears throat> kind of like a fantastic time. <clears throat> He's like, oh, okay. Well, what about like, uh, what about softball? <clears throat> I'm like, softball you mean and then like at that moment it's set in and that cursor on the screen went from white to pink and it became clear as day it was not a boy that was coming it was a girl that was coming and like when I tell you I was distraught I'm talking 90s R&B baby come back to me tears <laughs> like I'm shook like we're in the car and I'm like uncontrollably weeping. Like you would have thought the whole world ended. <laughs> like I'm so shook that I called Jared and Ryan. Like our pastors is like, listen, man, like I don't know what to do. Like I'm so sure what happened. <laughs> like I was losing it. And as like <clears throat> insane because that response is. And to be clear, my daughter is amazing. Emery is the coolest kid. She was the perfect first baby for us. She's one of the most amazing people on the planet. Like I'm so stoked we got her. 
but as ridiculous as maybe that response was to finding out you're having a baby girl, I think for a lot of us, that's where we're at. I think for a lot of us, we had hope. We thought there was a better future. Some things have taken place, and now we find ourselves distraught. And I think there's few things this side of heaven that are as awful as when you hope for something that doesn't happen. Because when you think this beautiful future is coming and it doesn't play out the way that you thought, and I think Proverbs has something to say about it. You see, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You see, I think we live in a world that has a really major hope deficit. I think we live in a world where we've lost the belief that the future could be better. We've lost the belief that we can really create any change, that we can do anything to actually change the world that we want to see. Like, I think we find ourselves in this place as a world, as a culture, as a country, where we've lost hope. And what that does is it creates these moments of apathy and brokenheartedness, because if there is no better future, and if there's nothing I can do to change my circumstance to build that future, then why care? Why does anything matter? Why try it all? Why be kind? Why have empathy? Why have anything good for anybody else? Because if hope doesn't exist, if there is no better future, then what are we doing? And I think we see the product of that in our world. That's how things like as tragic as Uvalde happens. You have people who have given up that the world could be better. And they're so brokenhearted that the only way they know how to flesh things out is to create chaos for other people. Why does it matter? If there is no hope, you have terrible things like the shooting that took place in Taft. And what you are seeing is time and time and time again, these moments that are telling us we've lost hope, that there is a lack of hope in our world. There's a lack of hope in the people around us. There is a lack of belief that the future could be any better or that we could do anything to change it. When you lose hope, there is really no point in trying anymore because why does it matter? There's no hope. You see, for me, I picked up this habit and uh, the pandemic, and <laughs> I started smoking meat. And if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram at all, that's pretty much all I have. Pictures of my kids, pictures of the University of Texas, and meat. And that's it. That's about all I do. It's all I have. I'm actually not that great. I have zero future at being an influencer. And uh, <clears throat> all I know is I love cooking. Like, it became therapeutic for me, man. Like, I could just spend hours sitting there just babying it, getting it just right. And then this moment happened. Like, we were running through. We started a little side hustle, Otter Daddy's Barbecue. Like, we were doing this whole thing. And then I came out one morning to cook, and it didn't work. <clears throat> and I was like... No. <laughs> and one thing you got to know about me is I got zero, zero skills. I can fix nothing, like at all. Have you ever come to At The Movies At The Brick? You know there's one thing I'm good at, and that is hyping you. I will cheerlead you like crazy. I'm going to have you feeling like you're paying the Sistine Chapel by the time you're done. Like, that's my contribution because I can't do nothing. But thank God YouTube exists. And I'm like researching because like not having a smoker is not an option, and we ain't got it like that. So then like we just buy us a new smoker. I was like... <clears throat> oh, I get on YouTube and they start making me feel real good. Like I can do this. And I'm starting to take pieces apart. I'm moving things here. I'm connecting wire there. Lights are coming on. I'm like, let's go. I'm doing it. I'm about to tell everybody I fixed something. And I get to the very end. And there's this like really weirdly specific tool that only Pit Boss has that I can't find anywhere. And I can't fix the smoker. To no matter how much progress I made, no matter how many things I got to work and connect, I was missing an essential tool to be able to fix my smoker. And for so many of us, that's what we're doing in life. 
We're trying to create better futures. We're trying to dream. We're trying to change the world. We're trying to raise great families and kids that love the world and want to be kind and good, but we have lost hope. And no matter how many things you get right without hope, you don't get to the end of the story the way that you want. You can't achieve the future you want without hope. The way that I want to say it is like this. You will never see the beautiful future God has for you without hope. You see, I couldn't fix the smoker without the tool, and you can't live the life God's called you to without hope. You don't get to the end of the story the way you want. If you don't have hope that the future can be better, if you don't have hope that you can do something about that world, you see Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it reads like this. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What I think scripture is saying is you don't get to the end of the story with the happy ending without faith. Right? We don't get to the end and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we don't have faith in who Jesus is. Like faith is essential to the faith. Like you can't get there. You don't get to live. The, like you need faith to be who God's called you to be. So then how does scripture define faith? Well, if you back up five verses, it says in Hebrews 11, 1, it says this. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. Listen, you might find people who disagree with me, but it's my personal belief that what Scripture is saying here is you cannot have faith without hope. You can't have it. Like, if you don't believe first that God is actually creating a good future and that he rewards those who seek him, if you don't have hope, you can't have faith. And we're trying to live the life, the call, the dreams, the purposes God's put inside of our hearts, but if we don't have hope, it doesn't work. The idea of what it means to be whole, you can't be it without hope. There will always be something missing. Your heart will always be sick if you don't have hope that the future can be better and that you can do something to change it. Because <laughs> what is hope? If you're like me, like most of my life, really up until about like 16 months ago, <laughs> I would have told you hope is kind of like a hippy-dippy word. Like it's in scripture, but like... <clears throat> What really is it? Like, it doesn't, it didn't really have a ton of meaning. Like, if I had to give you a definition of hope, it would just be like a really strong wish. To really wishing for something to take place. Like, that's what hope is. Or maybe you're, it's not even that deep for you. For some of you, it's just a really good decoration. Like, it really brings the feng shui of the house just the way it needs when you've got that big, beautiful word hope on the wall. Because I think for a lot of us, we don't really have a definition of what hope is. So, so what is it? And I want to do today is give you a definition what I believe hope is. And it is, Hope is the belief that God has a better future and I'm an active participant in creating it. Hope is the belief that God has a better future and I'm an active participant in creating it. You see, I don't think hope is a wish. And I think the distinction matters because I think there's a lot of us in here today who might be saying we don't have hope because we've tried it and it didn't work. We had hope once upon a time and it failed us. So we don't, we're not messing with hope. We're not doing hope. But you might be like me and finding out that maybe it was never really hope. I didn't have hope that I was going to have a boy. I wish that I was going to have a boy. And what I think has happened is we have a lack of understanding of what hope is, and so we've lost the value of it. It's become a word that has no meaning. And my hope today is to give you not just a definition, but to empower you and inspire you to fight for it, to cultivate it, to build it, to have it be an essential piece to who you are. I think the distinction of what hope is matters because it's saying that both God has a better future for me, but also I have a part in creating it, <laughs> right? That there is a beautiful future at the end of the story, but I've got a piece to play. Like there's something for me to do. And what happens is I think a lot of times we get one or the other. 
could get them imbalanced. And we have one part of that quote, but not the other part of the quote. And so here's what that looks like. For some of us, we have the better future part. But it's the participation, it's the action, it's the steps necessary we aren't fulfilling. What's that look like? It could look like really dreaming that we want our kids to really come to us about everything. Like we do, we have a desire that we want our kids to feel safe, that they can talk to us about anything, they can come to us about any mistake, they don't have to hide anything, that they can come to our door anytime they need it. So you've got the hope of the future, you've got the future part, but what happens is if they show up and you scold them and you yell at them and you come for them, and it's not safe for them anymore. And the second they finally muster up the courage to have the conversation, you blast them. No, no, you got the better future part, but you know the participation part works, so it doesn't create hope. So instead of creating a space for them to come back and get to achieve the thing you want, you've actually pushed them away. It looks like having a desire for a beautiful marriage. I want to be married 65 years and create this incredible future. But like you make every excuse possible not to have a date night. Well, I'm busy, or we've got this or we've got that. It's like, no, no, you have the desire to have an awesome marriage, but you keep making the excuses to not actually do what it takes to cultivate that marriage. I'll give you one more. It could be, maybe you're like, I really want this church to be a community for me. I want a place I can belong, a place that feels like family, a place that like, is not just good for me, but the whole family. But if every time there's an opportunity for you to connect, if every time there's a new life group, if every time there's an opportunity to serve, you make a reason to not do it, you don't have hope yet because at some point there's a part you have to play, but it also works the other way. You see, we can be willing to do steps, but not really have any belief or any hope that the future is going to be better. So for maybe some of you listen to your kid, right? It's not a closed door, but you don't think it matters. So you're not actually hearing them. It's running through one filter and they walk away and you don't think anything you're going to say is actually going to change it. So while you might be willing to have the conversation, there isn't actually hope that it gets any better. Or maybe the way it looks like inside of a marriage context is, well, we're not getting a divorce. But also we have absolutely no hope it's going to get any better. So we'll stay together and be miserable, but we don't have a belief anything can change, so why try? Or inside the church, maybe you will show up and you'll be a part of a life group, but you've got this working belief that you are too messy. So the second you actually let somebody in, it's going to prove to you the church isn't what it's supposed to be. So you'll show up but you won't take the step. You won't participate in creating that hope that it could be what it's supposed to be. If we don't have both belief that God has a better future, but also the understanding that we have a part to play in it, then we're just wishing. I don't know if you know this or not, genies don't exist. (laughs) Aladdin's not coming around the corner. It's not enough to just hope or to just wish that it happened. You need hope, which is the belief that there is a better future that God is creating for you, but also you have a peace to play in that. So the question for me is how do you get both? How do we actually get hope? Like, how do we make that happen? What does it look like to do that? And I think the answer is, is you have to be shown it. You see, I got this incredible opportunity a year ago to go to something called the Trauma Hope Healing Summit, and it was insanely impactful for me. It's actually happening in a couple of weeks, and you should look it up on Facebook. And I heard a guy named Dr. Chan Hellman give what is the most beautiful conversation I've ever heard on what hope is. And it finally gave me the definition I'd always been looking for. And here's what he says about hope. Hope is a social gift. It doesn't happen in anyone individually, but is born in relationship and community. Hope is a social gift. It doesn't happen to anyone individually, but it is born in relationship and community. You see, there's this saying that I've heard a lot in my life, and it's you can't know what you don't know. And as country as that sounds, it is so true. 
you can't know what you don't know. And for a lot of us, we don't know what hope is. We've never experienced what that feels like. We don't know what, we don't have a definition for it. We actually have an idea maybe, and we thought it was a wish, but we don't have a picture of what hope is. And so how could you possibly know hope if it's never been shown to you? If you've never experienced it, if you've never seen it. And this is so true for me. Like I know for me, I, I, I know what hope is because someone showed it to me. You see, I remember growing up, and if you don't know a lot about my story, it is riddled with all kinds of trauma and chaos. I've got three generations of addicts that raised me. I was in their home. Like, like I didn't have a picture of a better future. As far back as my great-grandma, all it was was chaos, fighting, and jail, and addiction, and all kinds of pain. Like, I remember having to, like, be ready to call my grandma if my mom was too drunk that night to take care of us so she could come get us and feed us. Everything for me about my childhood suggested the world just sucks. And there's nothing you can do to change it. It just happens to you. And three generations of proof of that. Like, it's not just my mom missed it. No, 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 my grandma didn't figure it out. My great-grandma didn't figure it out. Like, as far back as I can look, there isn't hope. There is no reason to believe anything could be better because it never is. And then one day I had a friend invite me to a church and I got to meet our lead pastor, Jared Callahan. Because <laughs> he got to be my youth pastor and I got to meet for the first time in my life someone who told me, no, 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 I understand it's miserable, but it does not have to stay that way. You might go home to what feels like hell, but there is a better future for you. That I get it, I know you're hurting, but you don't have to stay there. there there's, there's more for you. Jared was the first person in my life to tell me that my present is not a promise in my future. And if you're here today and you feel like you're in a similar boat, let me let you know there is absolutely, without question, every part of my soul believes this, a better future for you. There is a beautiful call God has for your life. There's a journey he's calling you to. It gets better. It can be better. And Jerry was the first person in my life to teach me that. I didn't know that. I didn't have a picture of that. It was crazy because it was like I would come to Wednesday night one night, find some hope, feel good, like, yeah, we could get better. And then every other night the rest of the week, it would prove to me again hope didn't exist. And what's crazy about hope is it, like, leaves this taste in your mouth that there just must be something more. Even if it's just a day a week, it's enough to hold you over till the next time you can hear somebody tell you it can be better. It's contagious. It's addicting. There's something about the belief the future can be better than it is today that moves you through pain. It gives you purpose in the hurt. It gives you purpose in the storm. And that one Wednesday a week was enough for me to hold me over till I could hear it again. You don't even need all of the hope. Just a little bit of exposure is enough to help you see there's got to be more. And for a lot of us today, is that not what church is? We're just showing up with this belief. There's got to be more to this. This can't be the whole picture. This world can't be the finished product. There must be more to this life. And I remember for me, it all came to a head. When I was 16, mom got another DUI and they pulled us into state custody. And while my family wanted to keep my brothers, they didn't want to keep me. So I got moved all over the state of Oklahoma for like nine months, and each home was worse than the next. And then our next step, Pastor Ryan Gray, took me in. And it changed everything for me. Because I got to hear about hope when I was with Jared. When I lived in his home for nine months, I saw hope. I saw what it looked like to want to be around each other. 
I saw that your night could end, not in an argument or in a fight, but in a prayer. I saw that there was good, that people were kind, that they were good in the real world and behind closed doors, that you actually could be real, authentic, genuine. I got to see every single night, every single day, proof that hope isn't just a thing, but it can be done, it can be achieved. And then he gave me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to serve, to lead, to be a part of this thing. While I was messy, I mean, I'm suspended all the time. I'm so incredibly disrespectful to leaders. Like I was a difficult kid to love. And he never let my mess keep me from the belief that there was purpose. And so he showed me not only is the future better, but today I could be a part of creating it. That I have a part to play in this story. That hope wasn't just a future I had to wait on, but it was something I had a part in creating. But I want you to understand today, hope is not just longing for a better future. But today, there are things you can do to create that future. There are things today you can do to walk out the call of God on your life and everything that he's called you and built for you to do. And I think this is the reason it matters so much that we love people well. You see, John chapter 13, 1335 says, By this we will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You see, it's interesting for me. Because like my journey to believing in Jesus, my journey to faith, my journey to all that this is, it didn't happen because there was this incredible worship night where I just got all the feels and it hit me in all the right ways and I just had this aha moment. It wasn't this incredible sermon that explained every doubt I had away and just made Jesus look so perfect and so incredible. It was no late night Bible study sesh where it just clicked and like I found the scripture necessary to unlock faith for me. You know why I believe in Jesus? It's because I had people who looked like him. I had people who showed me what he could be, what it meant to follow Jesus. I had people in my life show me that the world could be better. No, 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 they're not Jesus. My faith is not hinged to them. My faith is hinged to Jesus. But I would have never got to him if it wasn't for them. And this is the reason it matters the way you treat people, the way you love people, the way you care for people. You might not have all the answers. There's no way in the world Jared and Ryan could have known I'd be on the stage today when they first met me. But it wasn't about who I would be. It was about I was in front of them, I was broken, and they know they were supposed to love me. And what they did was is they loved me until hope had a place to grow in my heart. And it was the consistency of who they were and the way they treated me, the way they cared for me, that birthed this belief in me. I'm not who I was. There is more, and I can do something about it. Community matters because hope is something we have to be shown. Something we have to be shown. And what's interesting to me is hope doesn't just get found and kept. You have to fight to keep it. Because unfortunately, life gets hard again. Unfortunately, trauma hits again. Unfortunately, pain comes again. Unfortunately, there is no secret sauce to living the rest of your life free of pain. It's going to happen again. And relationship doesn't just birth hope. They help you keep it. Relationships don't just birth hope. They help you keep it. This is the whole point behind Sunday for us. The reason we have a Sunday experience is our hope is if you'll just keep coming, you're going to find a community of people who are messy just like you but they haven't stopped. They're continue to continue to walk. And you can be a part of this whole journey. We all just a bunch of broken people who don't look none like Jesus, but we're trying our hardest to get to him. Like we are messy as can be, but we aren't quitting. We're gonna keep moving forward to the beautiful future we believe God's called us to. It's the reason we have life kids. It's the reason we have switch. It's the reason we have worship. All of what makes this place this place, host team, all of this is really just to do our best to try to surround you in hope. One of my favorite things I've heard people say is that like the churches should be full of a bunch of hope dealers. That's what we should be doing. 
And we should be slinging that stuff like, like our life depends on it. Like everything we're doing, every conversation we have should be covered in hope because it's contagious. It sets you free. It's a belief. We can be more than we are today. There's more ahead of us. We can do more. There, there is better ahead than there is behind. There's something about hope that sets you free to believe anything can happen. If we could get that hope back, our world would be different. If the church would be full of hope dealers, our community would be different. If we would cling to hope, everything we know, I believe, changes. God has a better future for you, and you have a part of creating it. We should be hope dealers. But if you're like me, the problem with the idea of community is maybe relationships are the reason you hurt. Maybe you've had people in your life, man, you really tried it. You really gave it your all. You let somebody in and you found out that people can hurt you so much. And maybe you're like I was and you have a belief in your heart that never again. I'm never going to feel that pain again. So I would rather isolate and close myself off from everyone than ever let someone use my life as ammo to hurt me again. The problem is, is isolation doesn't heal, it hurts. Isolation doesn't heal, it hurts. You can't close yourself off and get better. I wish to God you could because it sounds so much easier. But there's something about community that creates space for God to do some of his best work, some of his best healing. <laughs> James chapter 5, verse 16 reads like this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I think this is the promise in scripture of what happens when you surround yourself with a community of hope. When you surround yourself with people who believe the best in you, who in your worst moments and your most lonely moments won't let you stay there, but are going to be wind to you, who are going to remind you that, yeah, 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 no, 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 it hurts. It's hard right now, but you're going to get through it. There's more to this. God's got more for you. You can do more today. Like this belief that there's more. And I don't understand why it works that way. I don't have science to prove to you why it does. I just know there's something supernatural about finally being honest and finally being open and finally letting someone into your heart that does a healing nothing else does. It's the reason people go to therapy because something happens in that moment where you have someone in front of you, you believe won't judge you but it's going to have your best for you, that it does something to your soul. We need hope. And while Jared and Ryan are huge pieces to my life, like it does not take very long to talk to me before you hear their names dropped. I am not who I am without them. But what's incredible about community is they in themselves, they're not enough. I can't be enough. It's not just enough to have great pastors that you like or leaders, you're like, you need more than a couple people to help you keep hope. I have hope today, not because they're incredible. They showed it to me, but I have hope because there have been people in my community who have been there for me when I needed it most. I remember being 16 and being so frustrated and so angry about life and showing up on Wednesday nights. And there was a leader at the student ministry named Jason Heiner. <laughs> and no matter how much trash I talked like, we were talking about playing ping pong, and I have no idea how this man did not hit me in the head with a paddle. Like, <laughs> I have a particular gift to set people on fire. I have literally been punched in the face by an adult leader on a float trip one time. Like, that's the level of chaos I will create. So how this man did not throw hands every Wednesday is still shocking to me. 
But what's crazy is, is no matter how messy I was the week before, no matter how angry I made him, no matter how much I came from, you know what I knew was going to happen? I would show up that same Wednesday next week and have a smile waiting for me. I knew that next Wednesday, that man would be excited to see me. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he was faking. If he was, bless God, it changed my life. But like, all I'm telling you is, is I knew when I came back, there would be someone there who looked past my messy. Because <laughs> I remember having so many kids so young. Like, it was really, really difficult, like, to live. Like, the first four years of my marriage was not smooth at all. It was messy. It sucked. It was hard, like, I mean, I remember waiting tables at Chili's and like legitimately having to like pray in my car, like, God, I need you to show up because we can't fix it if you don't. Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the next bill. The car broke and I don't know what to do with it. Like so many moments. And it was people who helped get me through, like Sean Gray, who it's like, you're sitting there thinking like, how are you going to feed your kids? having to choose between food and fixing the car so you can get to work. Like, and then they would show up and you would wait tables and it would leave the like exact tip you needed to be able to get to tomorrow. And it's not just once, it wasn't twice. It was so many times throughout my marriage and throughout my life where this man and his generosity has created space for me to keep fighting because there was hope. I wasn't alone. I could get to it. There was a better future that the work did matter that, that I was going to get out of it. And here we are today and life is so much better. And I couldn't have got through those moments without him. It's, it's, it's people like mama Tracy who see a 16 year old kid who's trying his best to just make it through. And he knows Thanksgiving is a source of trauma and triggers and all kinds of things. And I'm sitting here like, I'm going to stay in my car on Thanksgiving at 16 and not go to Thanksgiving because of how much pain it's going to cause me. And Mama Tracy lets me come to her Thanksgiving. And I get to show up to Thanksgiving and I'm seeing this family of people that really do love each other. Like they're excited to see each other. They're pumped about Thanksgiving. They're, they're playing games like wiffle ball. Like, like, I'm like, this is crazy. I thought this was a sitcom. I didn't know this could be real. This is insane. You guys aren't real. And every year since, I have been there on Thanksgiving around that family, and it is showing me a picture every time. This is what I can build. There is a better future. There is a future that God's got that's beautiful, and I got a part to play. I can get there. That's why people matter so much, even to like today. You've got people like Chelsea Brown, who it's so weird for me because like I showed up to her life group thinking I was going to help her. <laughs> I got there. And her conversations on how to deal with your trauma and what God could do and, and how you're built, it finally set me free. She's helped me see that you can grieve what was and still have hope for what can be. How do we get through life when it hurts? How do we get through life when unspeakable tragedies hit? How do we get through life when we don't know how to fight tomorrow? The answer is community. It's people. And it's always been. And I hate that that's the answer because people are frustrating, but they still are the answer. Community is incredible. It's a place where you've got people who will weep with you. 
people who will mourn with you, people who will celebrate and rejoice with you. It's a group of people who aren't going to leave you where you are, but are going to get right in that mud with you to tell you you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You can get through this in every single step of the way. Be a reminder of what hope is. You got to have some people in your life that see a better future so that when your hope tank gets empty, they can fill you back up. Community will change your life. It will shift everything. You will be a different person today. So if you're in here today and you've been clinging to hope, you've been hoping that somewhere along the way there must be more, then my challenge to you is real simple. Life groups start today. Because <laughs> there's a sign-up sheet in that lobby, and it might seem like the most simple, silly step, but I am telling you, this community, no, we believe there's more for you. And every one of those life groups are going to be a source for you of people who are going to fight to help you believe it too that your future can be better, that there's a part you can play. So my challenge to you, if you're looking for that community, sign up for a life group, be a part. <laughs> but if you're in here today and your hope tank is, is pretty full, like life's not super hard for you, or maybe you've just figured out how to get through it and navigate it. I want to look at that quote one more time. <laughs> it reads like this. Hope is the belief that God has a better future and I am an active participant in creating it. Hope is the belief that God has a better future and I am an active participant in creating it. For some of you, you are walking pictures of what hope can do. Some of you in here are Mama Tracy to somebody. Some of you in here are Sean Gray to somebody. Some of you in here are Jason Heiner to somebody. Some of you have stories of what you've gone through and what hope did and how you fought and what you did to get there. Your job is to participate. It isn't just to have that story, but it is to share it. It is to get to the people around you. It is to be a hope dealer. It is to let people see what God's done in your life and what you fought through and where you've come from to help them believe it could be true for them too. There's a lot of tailors in this world. And every day you turn on the news, you are more and more reminded of how many people need hope. If we could all just decide today to be hope dealers, I can promise you it isn't going to be the same. The world is going to change because hope can change anything. The belief that the future can be better and I got a part to play can set you free. It's why for me, the greatest in life, aside of being husband to my wife and father to my kids, is getting to be a student pastor here at The Brick. Because every week, I get the opportunity to be to students what, what Jared and Ryan were for me. But what's more incredible than that is we have a team of people that do that. See, I wouldn't be enough. Yeah, I might be able to get a tailor. But when 28 people show up on a Wednesday night and they all have a singular belief that these kids can be everything God's called them to be and they have the ability to step and walk it all out. Every single Wednesday night, you see some leaders that are telling you, just like the Jason Heiner, but times 26, saying, you got more in you. There's more for you. You can get through this. We're here with you. Could you imagine what the world would look like if that was everywhere? Like for me, hope isn't something we're testing. We sold out to this thing. After that Hope Summit, we made the word for the year for Switch Hope. So every sermon, every conversation, every tribe, every small group, it was wrapped in this belief that hope is necessary to be whole. That you can't be who God's called you to be without it. And when we came back, we had 47 kids in August. We were running like 75 pre-COVID, so we were shook. But you know what we knew? We had hope. We believed, man, if we would just keep showing up, if the leaders would keep being a part, they'd come back in the last Wednesday of this year before summer break. We saw a hundred students show up on Wednesday night. But what's more amazing than that is 83 students this year raised their hand to say, yes, I'm gonna follow Jesus in my life. 
it isn't because we got catchy lights. It's not because I sound good. I'm clicking halfway through the message because I got a mild version of Tourette's. I'm not the best preacher. What's amazing is when you get to switch, there are leaders innumerable that are here for you. That regardless of your story, how messy you are, when you got to switch that Wednesday night, somebody loved you. My deepest prayer is that's true everywhere. Could you imagine what the church would be like if you didn't have to wait till you were 18? You didn't have to wait till you were 45, 55, 65 to find out hope. What if every two-year-old sat in Life Kids and had a leader who loved them? What if we had leaders knocking on the door to get into Life Kids so that we could let kids know before they need therapy, there's more to this story? That before the trauma can fully set in, I'm here with you in your pain. We're getting through this. If you're looking to participate, that's the step God's called you to. I can't think of a better place than for you to sign up life kids, to come be a part of helping these children believe and know they are loved regardless of where they go home to. And if you're in here and you're like, kids are not my thing, I know it's not my thing, then bless the Lord, there's more opportunities. There's still hosting, there's still tech team, there's still switch. There's a ton of places in this church where your story, you can have an avenue to deal that hope. You can be who God's called you. You can watch what God's done in your heart be the very thing that sparks a flame in somebody else's. So what do we know? We know that hope is the belief that God's version of my future is better than my present. And I am an active participant in creating that future. So today you're in one of two boats. It's either you needed hope today and community is your answer. It's just time. I know it's scary. I know it's hard but I've been there. I've made that decision. I'm different because of this place. So I would encourage you to take that step. Sign up for a life group. Be a part of life-giving community that is full of hope. And if you're here today and you've got hope, life is okay. You know where you're going. You know what you're doing. And my challenge to you is to sling it to somebody else. Deal that hope. Get that in somebody else's hand. Use your story to be the very thing that changes someone's life the way mine was. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.